Hello and welcome to Future Thinking from Stylus. Today we'll be speaking to Susie Willis, wellness guru and founder of Romilly Wild, a leading brand in the independent luxury natural beauty space. Also with us is Lisa Payne, Stylus's senior editor of Beauty. Welcome to you both. We're going to be discussing clean beauty, what it actually means today, and how the natural beauty sector is shifting away from its hippie roots to something much more sophisticated and results-driven. So first, Susie, please could you tell us a little bit about your brand and what sparked your journey into natural beauty? No, of course. Um, I'm delighted to share my my journey because it's something that uh, I, I'm still quite um, motivated by five years on and something that I felt was very much um, a moving trend. So essentially, I couldn't find anything myself. I'm, I love beauty, always have loved beauty. I'm obsessed by ingredients because they're I've always been um, very nutritionally led. I used to have a nutritious, sorry, nutritional uh, baby food brand. So ingredients really matter and their their efficacy. Um, and so I just found that in the beauty industry, nothing ticked all the boxes for me. So just by hook or by crook, do it yourself. If it doesn't exist, create it. Or if there was a version that I thought I could improve on, then then that's what I did. So I was inspired by... Um, just moving natural on a bit because I felt that the whole kind of organic slash natural was a bit stagnant, didn't stand out to mean anything. It became a very ambiguous term. So I wanted to take it by the roots and shake it up a bit. So that's how Romilly Wild was born. So Susie, uh, a lot of research suggests that uh, women care more about the effectiveness of um, the products than the ingredients that they use. And your brand kind of speaks to ethical skincare that produces more results than other cosmeceutical or synthetic brand offering. So how important is this focus on efficacy for clean beauty now? Hugely, hugely. I think there's been, uh, there's been a myth that, that, that natural doesn't work. Um, and I think it's because really our expectations have become very skewed. So uh, people are buying skincare because they want it to reduce aging, course they do if we're honest about why are people you know investing in skincare a skincare routine is because they want to have something in their lives that'll either uh, arrest aging or just just make their skin look as youthful and as vibrant and glowing as possible and uh, people will do go to great lengths to achieve beauty it's one of those uh, age-old um, uh, expectations that women want to personif- personify um ageless beauty it needs to be something that is I mean since we came out of the red tent you know hundreds of thousands of years ago uh, women are needing to uh, to express um, uh, fertility through youth through having this abundant healthy um, vibrant uh, uh, complexion so um, it was very important that that uh, that we could utilize and, and express how clean beauty can offer those great results because I think a lot of um, a lot of the the natural space was was very hippie and I love the phrase that you used earlier in the in the theme which is I think to a degree historically probably the natural sector um, for health and beauty and in personal care was was a little bit um, wishy-washy it didn't really have the clinical the clinical studies mm-hmm. or the trials associated with them so I think when people think about natural skincare they think planet organic they think whole foods they think you know um 
very, very much a, a non-clinical version. And I think because people do want these clinical results, but you can only get clinical results if you have tests associated with them. You can't claim that there are clinical results unless either the, the, the raw materials or the finished product have had those clinical studies associated right. with them. So, so with our with our range, it's it's about the clean, and we'll go on to what clean means in a minute. But it's knowing that people do want and expect to have those skin changing results, and you need to have in vivo, in vitro tests and uh, and consumer tests, con- consumer trials that that absolutely do do these, you know, um, uh, uh, well. Uh, documented results that can prove whether or not this product works or not. And so it is that clinical element that's sort of moving the conversation on from hippie, as I said before, to to something that's a lot more uh, scientific, science-backed, a little bit more efficacious, in inverted commas, in, in the consumer's mind. Yeah, well, of course, because um, I, I think if you're thinking about the, the, the general broad um, uh, natural landscape of skincare. It tends to be it tends to be quite water based. It tends to be with pretty herbs and, and nice floral actives, and it sounds very uh, safe. And it is very safe, and they're very beautiful. But what often they won't use are the expensive raw materials that have had those clinical studies associated mm. with them. So, and I think this is where it takes. Uh, there are different leagues. There are different levels of of uh, um, of of natural. So Lisa, this sounds like, you know, quite a challenging landscape for, for these sorts of brands. Are you seeing, um, uh, are you seeing this across the, the sort of natural and clean beauty uh, market? Yeah, well, I think that the, the challenges in this space is that, you know, the global natural and organic cosmetics market is, is, massive it's predicted to be worth um, a little bit more than 25 billion dollars by 2023 but it kind of remains largely unregulated you know and there's a lot of criticism leveled at brands that kind of encourage chemophobia um, there's a lot of greenwashing around uh, and and we still as an industry don't really know what clean actually means um, and so this is kind of a challenge for for brands that are actually clean and are actually natural and organic and, and offering truly natural and organic products to consumers where it's very easy for any brand to claim that they're organic or natural if they have one percent of the ingredients being natural and organic um, but I think that things are starting to change especially in beauty retail so Nessaporte um, has a net sustain um, platform on its uh, e-tail site. It was uh, previously just for fashion and now it includes beauty. So all of the brands that it sort of highlights on that platform have to be sustainable, natural, organic. And so it makes it easier for customers to to better choose to buy ethical and natural and clean beauty. Then there's also Clean at Sephora and Credo's Clean Standard. um, And then Cult Beauty is also uh, trying to navigate greenwashing by working with Provenance, which is a blockchain platform uh, and it's a system that uh, helps digitally verify unsubstantiated claims made by beauty brands. So with more sort of initiatives like this, I think it's going to be much easier for truly natural and organic and, uh, and very high performance brands within this space to, to actually shine over 
the sort of the noise that's being created by other brands in this space. Susie, let's go back to this question of what clean beauty means, what it should mean, and how that definition may have changed from, say, five to ten years ago. What are your thoughts? So clean beauty is is a term that I prefer to use in the States. In North America, it's called non-toxic beauty, um, and it's, it's a trend that has grown uh, a great deal, started by uh, the likes of Tata Harper. Um, but the word toxic, and you brought up the, the, there's the, the phrase a little bit earlier about chemicals and toxicity and all these very scary buzzwords that are going around, which are putting the fear of God into so many consumers. I think we need to tread so carefully about the words that we use, the language we use. Clean beauty should mean that you wouldn't put any ingredient in there that could be, that could create irritation now that we know that the EU regulations have got over 1,300 isolated ingredients that have been warned as hazardous or could cause irritation or sensitivity if used over time. Um, and we know that the states have got very few, very, very many fewer regulated ingredients that are that are that are uh, created as as hazardous and therefore shouldn't be used. So we're lucky in a way that we have we can easily identify these these ingredients that are hazardous and potentially toxic for the system, so that they could create you know over time they could create problems with your endocrine system or you know or create inflammation in the skin, sensitivity in the skin. It's like all these things when you build up with using synthetic chemicals in your system, then over time it's clearly not a good thing. Your liver is working over time trying to process everything, and and we're bombarded with with synthetic chemicals without even you know they are are invisible. Um, partners in life in household ingredients everywhere we look so clean should mean that you would avoid those um, prohibited ingredients that everyone can look on google um, the eu regulated ones um, but it also should mean that you would never put anything synthetic in according to me and according to romilly wild so there's this sort of whole double-edged sword because there are, uh, uh, thank heavens, there are many more clean, and I'm using inverted commas with my fingers as I say it, uh, uh, clean, there are clean-ish brands that are coming out there that, that it's whole, this whole unregulated thing that we're talking about, which, is, which doesn't exist. And I'm very much wanting to, um, to get on with, it, with the British Beauty Council about getting regulation on with clean and just really trying to make it much more of a, of a, of a, of a thing. I find the whole um, organic status, the certification, it means one thing for one country and it means nothing in another country. There has to be a universal recognized um, accreditation that means one thing to everybody. So clean should mean, sorry, back to the point, I get off on a tangent, that you would uh, not use anything that is a synthetically enhanced chemical uh, and you would also not use synthetics. Now, synthetics are those bulkers, those fillers, those polymers, those cross polymers, those um, acrylicides, those vinyls, all of those uh, petro-derived, uh, petrochemical-derived ingredients that aren't so much harmful. They're just not doing your skin any good. They're there to bulk a product out so when you're in the, the 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 production facility making your beautiful vessel of cream you know you're you're adding quite a large percentage of these bulkers these fillers which basically mean you add more water at the front end it bulks the product out so i get really quite aggrieved upset when i 
come across a new brand. And then I'll be forensically looking through the inky list, uh, getting quite excited that, yay, somebody else is at my side trying to fight the clean corner and actually have something that is 100% um, uh, clean from beginning of inky to bottom of inky. And then I'll see that there's a, a cross polymer in there or an acrylicide in there. And, you know, it doesn't take a, a rocket scientist to Google that and find out its uh, provenance. So it, for, for me, the principles of clean beauty should mean that you don't put synthetic bulkers in there too, because everything should be from a plant source. Simple as that. And I am asked this question endlessly. So this sounds like a very complex um, sort of world to navigate um, for, for a consumer coming to these products, perhaps for the first time. Alongside Omni Wild, Lisa, do you, do you see any other brands that are doing really a good job of, of educating consumers and, and being more transparent about how to use these products? Um, well, I think, you know, most natural brands are going to uh, are going to be sort of touting their their, their naturalness and their organicness um, in in the best way that they can, probably on their websites or through social media. Um, I think what's actually really interesting in in this space, or, or or maybe what's making it easier for people to navigate um, clean inverted commas uh, beauty or natural and organic beauty, is actually the retailers, the big retailers. As I kind of mentioned before, I mentioned Cop Beauty and Sephora, uh, Metaporte, but in the in the beauty e-take um, is announcing that it's going to tackle ingredient transparency online by decoding over 5,000 ingredients uh, this year. Um, and I actually think that that is going to be a really helpful step because, yes, of course, consumers can go and Google what ingredients are, but are they likely to do that if it's you know time-consuming um, or if it might be confusing to them? So I think it's 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 just about retailers and brands kind of working together to to make it easy to decode, as Susie was saying, decode what the ingredients are, um, and also to kind of have that conversation about which ingredients are toxic, or inverted commas toxic, by which uh, country standards, and then also which ones um, are just filler, um, so potentially just lessening the efficacy mm. or the benefit of, of the beauty product that you're buying. And I think that having these different conversations and, and these different parameters kind of will make it a lot easier for consumers to navigate natural and organic and clean beauty. So Susie, uh, how do you, what would you like to see in the next 10 years for natural and organic beauty? Are there things that, that, that you think need to be done to improve the, the whole industry? Uh, well, I think... Uh, it's important that, as, as you said, that retailers really can start to categorise much better. And even within those categories, that they're a lot more strict themselves as to um, trying to isolate and allocate um, we, with sustainability, with, with ethical, with clean. You know, it's how many boxes do, does a brand tick? And, and I think all of this will become a lot more transparent. And I think that that'll be driven by hopefully brands like mine, but also consumers who just are very, very confused. So it's all very well and good having um, a, a, an ethical category that's say on, on a website, on a beauty website, on a, on a fashion website. But then it's, it's, as you say, it's very time consuming for the consumer to then have to drill down 
his or herself into the the providence the you know what has gone into this garment what has gone into this formulation um they need to trust the source and i think that a lot of the sources need to it's still very early days honestly i think we're just coming out of natural and natural was that very gray area where a lot of brands sat um, and now we're starting to, you know, pluck those out and saying, OK, so you're natural. It's not good enough. What does that mean? Clean is an evolution of that. Um, and it's an evolution of organic. But I think, as you said, there are so many different facets to a brand on the sustainability, on the ethical positioning. It's not just what goes into it, into the product and the performance on the skin, but also it's about the um, uh, the the. The, the ecosystem of the supply chain. It's about the, you know, the packaging that you use. It's about a much bigger picture. It's about, you know, uh, the, the amount of the beauty business is one of the most polluting in the in 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 in, in the world. So, you know, we've got a lot of cleaning up to do. And the same goes for fashion. This is all, you know, common knowledge. But I think it it would make it a hell of a lot easier if, as time, and I think it'll happen in the next couple of years. I think the more the more this conversation evolves um, and that we do start to um, scrutinize brands like mine, um, that they, you know, everybody has to step up to the plate and, you know, that as that there is, there shouldn't be anywhere to hide. As you say, you can, everyone can check out an inky list. There are barcodes you can check out now with software and find out whether or not it's, you know, it's uh, if there's anything sinister hiding in there, but, I think it's those individual categories that that come under one big pillar, which is you know what is clean, um, and then is that clean brand sustainable? Is that clean brand ethical? You know, you can have one of the things that I think is just so um, uh, confusing, but I see it as quite a you know a, a, a simple line of direction as far as integrity and sense of purpose goes. Is that if you are clean you do have a sustainable ethical mandate. You know, I want to have an ethical profit loss. I want to be able to be B Corp. I want to be able to have a brand that is proud of every element of its evolution. It's not just about that one individual product that's going to change somebody's skin. It has to be do something well or don't bother at all. And that's that's my kind of principle. And I really hope that, as you said quite rightly, that these um, uh, these retailers will start to, as you say, uh, Sephora are doing it incredibly well. I'm very, very impressed with how they're uh, uh, categorizing and, and actually it, uh, being fully or fully auditing because um, we're going to go into business with them quite soon. And, and the audit trail that they asked me to go through was was incredible. And the same with Netta Porter. I think that's fantastic. Um, but again, th- th- there needs to be um, uh, a kind of a, a that the um, the bar needs to be set much higher, um, as you say. Credo, credo standard, I think, is exemplary. Um, so I think that's starting to make it a lot easier for consumers, and then you know, then they'll know what they're buying. I think it's also. Um, I was just thinking about this while you mentioned Sephora, because because when we think of Sephora, we often think of makeup, and and actually, there's you know big strides happening in the makeup space too. Which you know, often when we think about natural and organic, we think about hair care, we think about skin care, um, and and very little do we actually think of makeup within that um, space uh, because naturally, uh, synthetic uh, materials and colours have often been best for makeup. Um, but actually, so many more indie brands are coming to the table with really um, beautiful, 
products uh, within the makeup category um, that are clean, that are natural and that and organic. And they are kind of they're, they're on social media kind of talking about the benefits of having um you know, natural ingredients rather than synthetics. I was on the social media account, the Instagram account of um, Kozas uh, Makeup, the US brand. Um, it's kind of slowly releasing new products, but it's got this new eyeshadow um, product, which it comes in, in like a little lip gloss tube. And they were talking about on the social media post um, of this particular product, they had said, oh, you know, we don't, want to use synthetic um, silicones instead we've swapped that with orange um, blossom water which you know hydrates the eyelid and it does some other amazing things and it also gives you a great texture so it's kind of it's it's those little things that kind of make consumers go oh hmm, maybe I didn't know about silicones in my makeup okay now I do now I can see how this brand is offering me something better something good um, and I think that that's also really going to help sort of push sort of natural energetic in this space. But this is where science is incredible because um, uh, it, it, is, it is so much, it is possible to utilize nature at its best without depleting um, natural supply. And, uh, and it's, you know, consumers are demanding you know, vegan, cruelty-free, uh, as well as these wonderful modern textures and colors and glitters. And mm. so to, to sort of marry that, you know, the, the, the young unicorn, uh, consumer that I call them, which wants the the really you know um, fun, funky, modern textures with you know a makeup artist dream, um, mm. then you, it's so much more available that you can work with these incredible raw materials. I mean, it's it's great, great fun, and I think it just we have been we've been lazy. The, the, these uh, raw materials have existed, but they have often been uh, very, very expensive. And I think because consumer is demanding that they have a much cleaner, uh, much more um, uh, ethical provenance, that the, those those suppliers are, are latching onto that, and they're trying to, you know. So there's been a huge investment from a supply um, uh, technology perspective to advance these raw materials from nature, and that you know, no longer are we using, you know, awful silicones um, and crushed up beetles for our. Our, our colors you know it's it's mm. incredible where you can get pigment from without depleting nature um so yeah it's it's exciting and i'm really glad to, to hear that the the younger generation uh, gen z are looking now for you know i want to wear makeup but i want it to be cruelty free and i want it to be ethical and i want it to be um to, to not uh, have any plasticides in the ocean and and everything else it's it's becoming a, a you know a, a standard now. So I think, you know, I think we need to talk about the current situation and the impact that it's going to have. I mean, I'd love to hear both of your thoughts on, you know, what can we expect uh, in terms of the impact of the current situation on clean beauty? Um, and, you know, what will the long term effect be? Susie, maybe you could start. Uh, I think with the current situation, I think people are, are very nervous about um, anything that they can't see. And I think it's made a lot of people uh, feeling very vulnerable and very afraid. So I think this is where um, I think, it, again, I brought it up earlier about brands stepping up to the plate, about its honesty, its transparency. Um, I think, you know, nobody likes surprises. And coronavirus has been the biggest surprise for all of humankind. And I won't start to go into, you know, um, 
my my positive stance on on the fact that it's a great human leveler and actually i think it's bringing out a huge amount of humanity in human beings so i think there is a positive slant to be taken from this horrendous episode um but i think it is now down to brands to be non-commercial right now it's down to brands to be properly humanitarian right now it's time to forget about the profit line and just think about survival um, and certainly, I mean, we've been very, very blessed that because we have been able to switch the dial on to e-commerce completely. So obviously, we've got stores, we've got flagship stores. I've just launched in Harvey Nichols. That was fantastic. That was we were doing great guns there, and in Harris, and just launched in uh, California. And all these exciting things happened. That's obviously come to a grinding halt. Uh, we've switched over to e-com, and the sales have actually gone ballistic and I think that's because people do want to um, indulge I think even though I was having this interesting conversation with a colleague earlier about the fact that obviously a lot of people are worried about income because suddenly there is none Um, but I think for those who are already invested in their skin the last thing they want to do is um, is to give up something at times like this. It's kind of like a, a fight or flight reaction. They'll give one thing up, but they won't. They won't give up how they make themselves feel. And I think feeling good right now is important. Looking after yourself is really important from a, um, a mental health perspective, but also in that you know, looking good, feeling good, being robust, being strong, um, and. And, and knowing that you can trust a brand. So if you are going to be by making any online purchase, then you, you, you know you, you know it, you trust it, you know that you could reach out to that, uh, to that brand at any time. So I think the responsiveness and the responsibility from a lot of brands right now is to behave like you're on the front line. Um, and that's why, you know, very much as a brand, and because we are small, we are able to do this really quite easily is that you know I've made myself available to talk to anybody stress brings out extraordinary things in people um and you know this is where I think a brand that yes it's a beauty brand uh, but also it's it comes with a lot of authenticity and and a, a, a positioning that is is about you know coming from nature it's a very um uh it's got a person that you know it's got somebody real behind it which is me um and I think brands like that really can take advantage of the situation and communicate and um, and hopefully turn something positive about around from the situation. So uh, what I think is really interesting here um, is that because we're arguably in this space of being obsessed with sort of chemical sanitation and sterilization, it almost feels like natural and organic is, is, is opposed to that or misaligned. Um, with that, and so I think actually it's going to open up some real innovation or um, exploration from a brand perspective in uh, natural preservatives or uh, you know waterless products that don't need to have preservatives in them because um, there is no water. And then also just you know it's going to inspire a lot of innovation in terms of how products or how brands can develop products that are perfectly sterilized and, and perfectly clean and perfectly um, uh, sanitized. Well, I think that's a fantastically um, germy way to end uh, our podcast in this time of, of lockdown. Um, I, I'd like to thank my guests, um, Susie Willis and Lisa Payne, and thank you all for listening. I hope you're safe and well, and I hope you'll join us next time for more Future Thinking from Stylus. 
You've been listening to Future Thinking from Stylus, the show where our analysts, alongside industry thought leaders, unpack the big trends you need to know about. Find out more about what the future holds for your business at stylus.com. If you like what you heard today, make sure you subscribe to Future Thinking in iTunes or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts to hear new episodes as soon as they're available.